If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. The title of my message this morning is Finishing Strong. Finishing Strong. If you have your Bibles, Philippians chapter 3. I want you to turn to verse number 10. Paul the Apostle said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The point of my message this morning is this. To do my part in knowing Christ and allowing Him to position me for spiritual success in 2011. Listen to it one more time. To do my part in knowing Christ and allowing Him to position me for spiritual success in 2011. Everyone say new. Newer. And improved. 2011 is a new season. 2011 is going to be a new day. Uh, there's a saying in Yiddish. Actually, on the Yiddish, I bought my son a little Yiddish calendar. My grandmother spoke Yiddish. I don't know what, you know, we never learned it. But, you know, obviously her mother and grandmother spoke it. And, but they have a saying in Yiddish, and it says, goes something like this. New year, new life. New year, new life. It is going to be a new new year and a new opportunity for you to live a new life new beginnings there's something about it there's something natural and spiritual i know you know god's calendar i don't know how it all works but i know there's something psychologically there's something emotionally there's something spiritually just something new everyone likes new everyone say new everyone likes a new car right how many of you like a new car how many of you would like how many of you would turn down a brand new car if i just gave it to you no of course not oh you would turn it down no you wouldn't Everybody, everybody wants something new. We like newer. We finally started working on this sound booth back here. That sound booth that was back there was put back there to be a temporary sound booth. And we were going to build it. It never happened. Six years later, Pastor Glenn and Tom finally got a bee in their bonnet. Couldn't take it any longer. Couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand looking at a broken down old piece of furniture back there. And, and so they got one of the brothers in the church. And this last week, they... Spent all week rebuilding that sound booth. New. Everyone say new. There's something about new things. In our church, God really has done some really incredible things this last year. I just reflected for a moment over this last year. Just all the things. So it was just, it was a, it was a, it was a turning point at our church. One of the things that happened financially in our church, and it's been a real challenge the last couple of years in our economy, right? Everybody knows your house, my house, our nation, our country. There's a real spirit of fear in the future. and Giving has suffered. And, but this last year, our giving at City Church increased by 7%. Can you give God a big hand? Come on. 
It was the first year in two years that we actually finished the year, the calendar year, if everybody gave today. If we finish strong, we're actually going to finish the year, for the first time in two years, we're going to finish the year in the black. Come on, give God a big hand. That's good. Everyone say that's a good thing. Not much in the black. I don't care if it's one dollar in the black. I just want to be in the black. This, this school, there was a turn in our school. There were some things that were established in our school this year that were just have set us on a course of excellence, set us on a course of next step, next level, next dimension. Some things happened in our children's ministry this year. Some dynamics that took place in our preschool and our, our preschool ministry on Sunday morning. Some things that took place in our Royal Rangers and Missionettes on Wednesday night. There were some things that took place in our youth ministry. Our youth ministry went from about a hundred and some kids this last year to this last, I mean the last service they had, they had over 300 kids in this auditorium. Come on, give God a big hand. We've had the biggest services we've ever had. The biggest attendances we've ever had. Don't look like it this morning, but you know, it's just one of those funny days. But the biggest services, just so many things that God has done. And I believe, I believe that this coming year, God's going to do some really cool things. But it's going to be in response to us saying yes to His Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says this, today is a new day. One of the things that's going to happen this year, first time, never done this before, the first time this year, I'm going to preach all the way through a book of the Bible. I'm going to preach through the book of Acts. The series is entitled, Act Normal. Everyone say, Act Normal. We're going to study the Bible together. I'm going to challenge you to bring your B-I-B-L-E, for that's the book for me. And for you, it ain't just good enough for me. You got to get it in you. So we're going to study the Bible together on Sunday morning. And we're going to study the book of Acts. We're going to learn what the normal church should look like. Now the problem with the normal church is that the normal church looks weird to everybody else. Because there's wild things happening in the normal church. Wild things. I mean, people are getting miracles and people getting healed and people getting set free and people experiencing life. And there's a little bit of fussing and fighting going on. Come on, amen. You know, your family ain't normal if you ain't gotten a little bit of fussing and fighting going on. Right? There ain't no such thing as a perfect home. Because we, you know, once you get more than once, you get along. You barely get along with yourself, and you put someone else in the room, and then you got trouble. It's just the way it is. Iron sharpens iron. It's the way life works. So we're gonna do starting. I don't know what day. I think it's uh, January thirtieth. First time we're gonna do a series, thirty weeks long. I've never done. Usually we do series four weeks, six weeks, kind of create momentum, try to do you know something new. We're gonna do a thirty week series. It'll be a challenge. The Holy Spirit's going to help us. Because it's the, it is the acts of the Holy Spirit that we're going to be talking about here at City Church. The influence, the vision, the key to the city that God has given to us. Something else we're going to do right out of the box, the very first part of the year. We're going to do a, a drama called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Everyone say new. We've never done it before. We've never done it, but we're bringing some professionals in, some guys that have traveled all over America and they've done this drama, and everywhere they do it, where people pray, and the people are trying to act normal, and seek God, and believe for souls, they have a blowout. They have an explosion. We're going to believe for souls. I'm believing Sunday night, Monday night, 
Tuesday night, Wednesday night from January 23rd to the 27th. We're going to see cars lined up outside this street to get into this parking lot. The presence of God is going to be here. There's going to be a confrontation between light and darkness in the city. God has given us a key to the city. And that is to bring his love to every man, woman, boy, and girl. The key to the city. Our vision banquet this year. November 16th. Or January, November. January 16th. Key to the city. We're going to meet together. We're going to meet at Route 46. And we're going to take the pressure off of you guys so that we don't have to serve and do that. We're going to pay somebody else to do it. We're going to meet together. And we're going to talk about where God is taking us in the new year. We're also going to start a new class. Everyone say new. It's called Next Step. It's the next step. We, you know, we got the Connect Four, and we got the next step. A lot of people have already gone. We had over 125 people this last year go through the class. That's a lot of people. This year, we're going to take you farther in God. You know, the reason that so many people never read the Bible is because they just can't understand it. You know, I went to school. I was fortunate. I went to school, and so I had somebody tell me a little bit. And plus, I've been a student of the Bible for 27 years. But I'm telling you, if I didn't grow up, if I didn't go to Bible college, I just don't know. I mean, you start talking about books. I was going to preach this morning out of the book of uh, Habakkuk. But I thought, shoot, if I read out Habakkuk, nobody knows who that is. Habakkuk who? Chewing tobacco? What'd you say? I, we don't know Habakkuk from Shemaki. And we're going to teach. We're going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of every book of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between. It's going to be your next step. So you're going to learn. You're going to begin to hunger for God in a new dimension as you begin to get God's word into your life. But, you know, we're not into 2011 yet. Heaven, heaven is going to come into our earthly experience in 2011. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that. I believe it. I believe it. It's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said we were to pray for heaven to come to earth. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. That's what Jesus said. So I'm believing that for 2011, for you, for your family, for your home. And so we start acting normal. It's a, it's a normal thing to see people delivered. It's a normal thing to see people work out relationship problems. It's a normal thing to see marriages restored. It's a normal thing to see people delivered from addictions and bondages. It's a normal thing for businessmen to fall down at the, at the feet of Jesus and give their life to Jesus. It's a normal thing. Normal. We're going to be normal. Everyone say normal. Normal just means weird. For Jesus. You know, this Christmas Eve, it was really cool. This place, first, the first five o'clock, it was totally packed. When I gave the altar call, so many people responded to Jesus. I was like, yes, wow, that's what it's all about. The second service, a little distraction, a lot of kids, but you know, but man, I didn't stop. I don't pay attention to any of that. I just preach my heart out. We give the altar call. And so many people raise their hand to give their heart to Jesus. I was like, yes. I'm like, wow, that's what it's all about. In my family, we, we celebrated new birth, not only spiritually on Christmas Eve, but we welcomed a new family member into our family. We have a little baby. She's about two weeks old now named Michaela. My sister, my younger sister, had her first child. We celebrated new birth. We celebrate new birth. I want to share with you, I want to share with you, how not only to finish strong, but I want to share with you this morning, from my heart, how to continue this into the year 2011. I want to share with you 
not only how you can finish strong, because, you know, we got five days left this year. So, you know, we're not letting up. Tendencies to let up. I see a lot of people have let up this morning, but you're not letting up. So I want to preach to you. You're the chosen. You are the chosen. And this morning, you literally have the right to call yourself the frozen. <laughs> you believe that weather out there? I mean, what, a, what is up with that? But you're chosen. You're called of God. You're here on a, the day after Christmas. You're tired. You have all kinds of stuff going on in your families. How to finish strong. Then how to start new in 2011. Paul the Apostle lays this out. Paul the Apostle talks to the church at Philippi. And I love what Paul says. You know, Paul is speaking to this church. This is the church that he planted. This is the church that he loved. And he's constantly encouraging them. He says you know, in, in, to the church at Philippi, he says it like this. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. So he has to challenge them. He has to stir them up. That's what I'm doing to you today. I'm stirring you up. I want to stir you up today. I want you to hear what Paul said to the church of Philippi. I'll give you four things real quick here that Paul said that if they did these things, four things, these are four passions of his heart. Four passions of Paul's heart. This is what kept the fire burning in Paul's life. This is what enabled him to finish the race strong. First thing that I want you to see in verse number 10. Look what he says here. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. The number one thing you got to make your priority in 2011 is to know Christ. To know Christ. And we know all kinds of things about all kinds of people. We live in the most voyeuristic, narcissistic, TV reality show driven culture, society. It's amazing. I mean, we know more stuff about more people who've got no talent than anybody should ever know. Isn't that right? Oh, come on, are you tracking with me this morning? I mean, people are overnight successes that have done nothing but, I mean, do stupid things on a reality show. And we got people tracking them and following them and she's dating who and this and that. And this. I mean, it's crazy. But see, we can know all about all kinds of people but never know that person. I mean, we can know all kinds of things about a movie star, an entertainer, a business person. We can know all kinds of things about Bill Gates or some other famous individual. But the fact is, if you walked into a room, they would not know you from the man of the moon. You don't know them. You know about them. You know what I've discovered as a pastor? You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that people love religion. We like religion. We like the feel goodies of religion. We'd like to check it off a box. We'd like to come in on a worship service Sunday morning. Presence of God. Take it. Oh, it feels good. We love religion. Men love the religion. It's a fact. But not every man loves relationship. There's a huge difference. To know Christ, the number one driving passion in Paul's life. To know Christ. To know Him. You can know about God and never know Him. There are all kinds of people who know about God. They know when he was born. They know what, you know, supposedly what his purpose was. They, they know that he called himself the Son of God. They, they know what people said about him, but they don't know him. And I want to challenge you this year to make it the priority of your life to know Christ. Look at the second thing that he says here. To know Christ and the power of his resurrection. 
and the power of his resurrection. That's life in the spirit. Jesus rose from the dead and he has given us his Holy Spirit. He's not with us in bodily form today. Jesus, unless he comes back for the whole body of Christ, Jesus ain't just going to show up at City Church next year. His Spirit will be here. His Spirit will be here. But King Jesus himself, when he comes back, he's coming back for everybody that's looking and awaiting his appearing. Look what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5. I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. To know Christ and the power of his resurrection. The spirit-filled life. Bill Bright, the founder of Campus Crusade, does a teaching called Spiritual Breathing. Really, he talks about allowing the Holy Spirit, that reality of the Holy Spirit to lead and direct and guide you, not every day, but every moment of your life. I'm not there yet. I am not there yet. Do I, I want to be there, though. I'm making it a priority in my life in 2011. I'm going to make it a priority in my life to do something new. I'm going to take a next step in God. I'm going to seek Him. Like Jeremiah says, I'm going to seek Him with all my heart. And when I seek Him with all my heart, then I will find Him. To know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Maybe there's a habit in your life that needs to be changed. Maybe there's a sin that needs to be forgiven. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that needs to be restored. See, 2011, open your heart to God. So when you begin to ask the Holy Spirit, like David, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit. He actually says this word, search me, O God. That's life in the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to search you. Not just when you show up on a Sunday morning. That's too convenient. That's religion. That's not relationship. The Holy Spirit wants to partner with you. (laughs) He wants to partner with you every day. Because he wants you to act normal. He wants you to experience the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. See, fellowship in his sufferings. Look what he says here. And to know the fellowship of his sufferings like him in his death. I don't know. I don't like this. I don't know about you. I don't like this verse. To know, to know the fellowship of his sufferings. How many of you want to suffer tomorrow? Come on. Nobody wants to suffer. But what I have discovered, that if I'm going to know Christ, there are going to be some things that I say no to. There are going to be some things that I say no to. And every time I say no to Eugene, there's an internal suffering that goes on. Because the reality is there's a war taking place inside of every person. The spirit man and the natural man. Your spirit man wants to worship, wants to love, wants to read the Bible, wants to do all those things. Your natural man says, I can't do it. I don't understand. It can't give. It doesn't work. How can I do that? I don't don't, 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 don't like my body. All these excuses. Your spirit man wants God. And when we say yes to the fellowship of his sufferings, we're saying yes to no to some things that we want to do. I asked myself this question this morning. I said, what caused Jesus to suffer? What caused Jesus to suffer? What really caused him to suffer? What do you think about it? This is a verse that I don't fully understand, and Paul didn't fully understand. He even says that. Not that I fully understand all this. But what caused Jesus to suffer? You know what caused Jesus to suffer? People who were religionists. 
people who just went to church or went to synagogue and practiced a form of religion but had no power, had no passion in pursuit. It broke his heart. It hurt him. It hurt Jesus. The Bible says that when Jesus was with his disciples and they couldn't believe for some kid to be healed of, tormented, of a tormented mind, it hurt him. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and he knew, the Bible says he that knew no sin, he knew that he was about to take every vile, wicked deed, thought, action you've ever committed upon himself that caused him to suffer. He suffered greatly for he knew what he was about to do. He took the wrath of God for you. He took the penalty of death for you. You deserve death, but Jesus took your penalty. He took it, and it caused him to suffer. There's only been a few cases in history where people have been so anguished in their spirit that they broke out and dropped and sweat literally a blood. It so anguished Jesus internally. There was such internal anguish inside of him that his brow began to bleed. He burst the vessels. He burst the vessels of his brow. That's some suffering for you. And for me to know the fellowship of his suffering, the giving up of our life for his life. Have you ever asked God that you want to know the fellowship of his suffering? You can today. I heard a man once say, he was just given the death sentence by his doctor. He said, You'll never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you got. He's all I need, yeah. He's all I need. We're singing a song. I can't even get to that note. It's too high for me. He's all I need. Yeah, right. All you need is your visa card. All you need is a better job. All you need is a spouse. All you need is a bigger home. Whatever. No, no, no. You don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you got. And what Jesus will do, because he loves you, he will bring you to the place where he is all you got. That's where you find him. That's where you find him. C.T. Sud said it like this. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I will be if the lamp of my life has been spent No greater cause. No greater purpose. I don't know. Guys, he wants us to have an abundant life. He wants us to have a fulfilled life. All the things that we do, fine, good. But they can become distractions. It starts off with having him, knowing him personally, fellowshipping with him is the number one priority of our life. The second thing Paul says is we've got to take personal assessment of our spiritual life. Look at verse number 12. Not that I've already obtained this. I've already been made perfect. No one's arrived. Paul, how did he know that he hadn't attained? He had to take a personal spiritual assessment of his life. And you know what that requires? Humility. It requires humility to say, I don't know it all. It requires humility not to have every answer. It requires humility to take real spiritual inventory of your life and recognize that there's some things that need to change. It takes that. And that's what God's asking today. It took, Paul understood 
he must, he, Paul understood this. He had this revelation. As a matter of fact, you just read a couple verses back in Philippians 3. He says, I count it all lost. Spiritual pedigree, I'm the best. I have, the most, I have more knowledge than anybody in this room. So what? I count it all lost. You know what I discovered? Is the more knowledge I have about the Bible, the less I know. The more the, I read, the longer that I study about God, the less I understand. I got a whole bunch of questions. You know what? But I never let the questions stop me from seeking. And that's what happens to too many people. They let the questions stop them from seeking. Let me ask you a few questions. Let me ask you a few spiritual inventory questions as we move into 2011. Do you regularly listen to the preaching of the Bible being taught to you so that you can apply it to your life on a daily basis? Do you ever take notes? Do you ever actually take what you heard that day Walk out with it. Say, How can I apply that in my life today? Give you a PowerPoint, the point, you know, some point at the end, some conclusion. Do I spend time reading the Bible for myself, for spiritual nourishment? We get so busy. Greatest challenge for me is to make time for my own spiritual life. I really endeavored this year. I worked hard. I mean, I had to do the work of, you know, the work for me was, the work was every single day I had to get up and read my Bible. Praise God, I got a wife that's really disciplined. And so, like, she put me to shame. I couldn't let her win because we're, like, we're reading the Bible together. Do you do that, though? I ain't doing it for you. It's my lifeline. I'm doing it for me. I read the Bible because I need to read the Bible. Do you read the Bible? your spiritual nourishment. Is the Bible the source of authority in your life? Somebody came the other day, they got an opinion about something. Oh, bless God, I love you. Thank God for your opinions. But what does the Bible say? You know, opinions are cheap, but the Word of God is eternal. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words. If you don't read this thing, if you don't open the book, if you don't digest it, if you don't study it for yourself, you just get it. When I'm telling you on Sunday, it's going to be a shallow Christian life. Ten years from now, you'll be going through the same stuff, same experience, the same life. No, you got to do it for yourself. You participate in a Bible study with other Christians. Do you actually ever open the Bible with other Christians and talk about God in the Bible? I mean, it, it's, a, it's a key. It is a key to acting normal. They study the scriptures daily to see if the things that the apostles said were so. You come up and, have you ever argued with me, not just because you didn't like what I said, because it didn't fit into your worldview, but because you said something that I said, you thought contradicted what the Bible said? You ever thought that? I mean, you ever went and investigated it for yourself? I ain't perfect. Sometimes I don't even know if I agree with myself. I'm working on it still. Do I spend consistent time in communion with God? Prayer, Bible, reflection. I don't have an understanding of God's character and nature. Do I understand that God really is a good father? And he didn't cause bad things to happen to you? Do you understand that? Do you understand his nature, that he's all-knowing? He sees every single thing. He sees you in your bedroom. He sees you when you're driving down the, car, down the road in the car. He sees you at your job. He's so big, like we discussed last week. I seek to resolve conflict in my relationships, with my spouse, with my families, to live at peace with all people as much as possible. 
forgetting the things which are past. I want to leave this with you this morning. Third thing. But one thing I do, forgetting not what is behind, but straining for what is ahead. I press on towards the goal, the prize, to win the prize, which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Forgetting the past. Forgetting our past victories, past successes. They're yesterday's. I know, you know, we celebrate. We are going to remember Vision Bank. We're going to celebrate victories, but we can't rest on the laurels of the past. This is what I've learned over the years about leadership. This is what I've learned. Any person who's ever stepped in any position of leadership, whether as an owner of a company, a boss, a manager, politician, it ain't what you did for me yesterday that I'm concerned about. It's what you done for me today. President Obama, two years ago, most popular man in the world. Two years later, he's like the scourge of the earth. He can hardly get meetings with some people. People are afraid to, his own party was afraid to be around him, around election time. Why does that happen? Yeah, come on. Don't matter who it is. It could be Georgie. It could be, it could be Jimmy. It could be Billy. I don't care who it is. It ain't what you did for me yesterday. I want to know what you're doing for me today. That's a problem. As a believer, we've got to put the past behind us. Not just the good, but there's some bad in your life. Some things that you did, bad choices. Bad choices, mistakes. Things that you did, got into debt. Well, let's get out of debt in 2011. Let's go to Financial Peace University in 2011. Let's take the class. Let's learn how to manage our money. See, you know, you can't change. It's the work of salvation. God saves you by His grace. But He's called you to work. God's part, my part. Forgetting the things which are past. Things that are not beneficial. We hold on to the good. But we put the bad behind us. Paul the Apostle declared it like this. He said like this. He said, Behold, all things are new. All things are new. The past is behind you. Your future is brand new. Old things passed away old ways of living, old mindsets, old practices behind you. 2011, new year for you to live a new life in God. It's all about one word. You can write this one word down. It's all about one word. It's all about surrender. If you're going to live this life, if you're going to win the race, if you're going to run to the end. If you're going to finish, I'm telling you today, you can die in faith. Few do it. Few do it. Most people get to the end and they're not really sure. But you can today make a choice to die in faith. Because you're going to die. It's not if, it's just when. True story, a couple years ago, this woman grew up very poor, her house had no hot water. She married a man who was very wealthy. Took her away. She literally had, you know, the white picket fence, two kids. I mean, her life completely changed. She was in her mid-30s, and she wasn't feeling well. She went to the doctor. They did some tests. The doctor came into the room, and she knew immediately something was wrong. And the doctor says, your liver is not working. It's not working. So they immediately put her into the hospital. There was, she was in the hospital room. She was so mad. She was so angry at God. God, why does this always, why does my life have to end like this? Why do bad things always have, 
happened to me. She started really, and she started getting really mad at God. And so she pulled herself up out of that bed and she went down to the chapel. She's going to have it out with God. She's going to give God a piece of her mind. She goes down to the chapel and as she's going down to the chapel, as she walks at the door, bam, it just hits her. Something just comes over her and she just starts to break. She falls herself on her, finds herself on her knees and she's crawling up towards this altar. And there, across the bottom of the altar, in the stone step across the bottom, are these words. God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. Have mercy. The moment she saw those words, something broke inside of her, and she just said, God, have mercy on me. She said it was at that moment, she didn't know if it was an audible voice, but she heard this voice speaking to her spirit, so that's all I wanted. I just wanted your whole heart. I just wanted you to surrender your life completely to me. Just a true story. Just happened last couple years. She said she got up. Something inside of her changed. She had made peace with God. She had surrendered. She had completely surrendered. She went back into her room. They ran more tests that night. They came back the next day with the report. And you know the rest of the story. She was completely healed. Come on, let's give God a big hand clap. goal is not only finishing strong, but starting strong in 2011. I don't just, you know, Pastor Wendell finished strong and died in faith. That's the way life is. I don't understand it all. It's a mystery. Paul said it. It's a mystery. The mystery of the Godhead. Why do things happen? It's great mysteries in life. But what God wants for you, if you want that life, the life of blessing, the life of multiplication, the life of knowing the love of God in the full dimension, all comes down to surrender. We're going to do something this morning. We sang that song. How does it go? I'm not going back. Moving ahead. Can you start pretty close to there? Mm-hmm. Almost surrender it all to you. But today, I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to take the next step. Yeah, so good, Matt. You have a good challenge. This is from my heart. This is totally from my heart. As a pastor to you, this is what I believe... God's very best for your life is. I'm, I'm in pursuit of this. And I haven't attained it all, guys. I am, I'm, I'm going after it. I'm going after God. 